Hello and welcome to another wonderful, spectacular, extracurricular episode of Normandy FM, Dragon Age Inquisition Edition. We are here. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, and joining me today for what is arguably the day that he has been looking forward to the most throughout <laughs> this entire podcast series, maybe even more than Caden, uh, oh. Kenneth, Kenneth Shepard, it is your day. It is my day. Now, Eric, every episode you begin the show, you say extracurricular. And, you know, uh-huh. maybe that's just rolling off, rolling off the tongue. It's a very fun word to say. I refuse to let Dorian Pavis be called such a thing in my presence. He is so essential. So important. Maybe, maybe the only good thing about this fucking series. <laughs> every time we get, every episode we get through, I'm like, maybe I only like this one thing about Dragon Age. And that's Dorian Pavis. You know, the fascinating thing I find about your love for Dorian Pavis, and maybe more specifically about your love for Dorian Pavis compared to your love for other characters in this series, uh, specifically Caden, is that Caden Alenko is a... I wouldn't even say contentious. I feel like he's just kind of often like the also-ran of characters. And I mean, Ashley falls in there too. But I feel like specifically when you talk about those Mass Effect squad mates, the the human squad mates do not get the love that the alien squad mates mm-hmm. tend to get. And Caden yep. especially so, because a lot of people ended up choosing Ashley. I, have they ever put out stats on that? I've always been curious, because they've done the Paragon oh, yeah. Renegade thing. But have they, did they put out uh, stats on, on how many people chose Caden or Ashley? I mean, not technically that specific decision, but they had, like, stats through the other games that basically implied mm-hmm. that so i would be fascinated if it a future mass effect remaster or something like that that they if they put in a telltale sort of thing where you could actually see those mm-hmm. stats um but you know caden that's that's caden that's that's your mass effect love but when we come to dragon age we come to dorian pavis this dude is universally loved I, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever met anyone, like, not even, I don't think I've even met anyone who just likes Dorian. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everyone loves this character. <laughs> and for good like, reason. Yeah. For very and, good reason. And, like, for some kind of, like, inside baseball for everyone who's listening, when we were reaching out to guests to, like, see, because we were reaching out to a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, old reliables that we've had on the show before, and as well as some new people, and we'd ask them, like, hey, who are, like, maybe a group of, like, three to five characters that you might be interested in coming to talk about? Uh, we had an overwhelming majority have Dorian either at the top or, like, somewhere in, in their list, and ironically enough, we have had... no, We have nobody here with us this week. Um, well, Ken, so yeah, it's, Ken is here enough for, for himself and a guest. <laughs> He's that <laughs> present for Dorian. Yes. It's uh, it's it's something else, and I guess before we start talking about the actual companion quest, um, let's just talk about Dorian like as a character because mm-hmm. I feel, especially with some of the characters we have in this Dragon Age, um, in, in previous games, the characters were maybe more interesting in terms of the aspects of things that they saw. Like, so I I think the comparison to draw is that in Dragon Age Two. 
each of those characters is kind of a different reflection of the conflicts at hand Mm -hmm. and so they kind of serve it in that way but in inquisition i keep feeling like the different squad mates are all reflections of the greater world at hand Mm -hmm. like the the comparison i was drawing with you earlier today when we were dming was uh between sarah and solace because i am still indecisive about who my inquisitor is going to romance but i was saying that you had these two characters who are both elven and and traditionally we've had that sort of representation be very straightforward but here there's like a very direct contrast between these two characters of solace being the very traditional like closely linked to the the dalish and the culture of elves and the history and the plight that they've been through whereas sarah is this very modern elf who lives in the city who has dealt with things like the alienage is not like connected to nature in the same way who actually has moments where if you try to play up you know being an elf and elven culture and stuff like that she will dislike you for it mm-hmm. and she actually prefers other stuff like when you flirt with scout harding for some reason <laughs> i get approval from sarah every time i flirt with scout harding she just likes I, to watch love bloom look i i appreciate that a lot i think that's a great move um but with with dorian we're seeing a character who's in our squad who we've never really seen this viewpoint before to this degree. Mm -hmm. And that's of like a mage from Tevinter, not a Tevinter magister, like distinct difference. As Dorian tells us, you can be a mage from Tevinter and not be a Tevinter magister. Uh, Mm -hmm. But already his viewpoint starts out very different and unique and bringing a lot of worldview to us that we don't normally see in these Mm -hmm. games. And I think the only character that we ever got even remotely close to that was Fenris, but he is, because he has, you know, a fair amount of knowledge about Tevinter, because that's where he was a slave, but that is also, because that was his role in that society, he has a very specific viewpoint, um, where Dorian, we get a more holistic sense of how things are over there, but also, like, one that is just as much really ready to condemn the way things are over there, um, which is kind of like the core of who he is like he is this pariah he is this person who wants to be like a like a redemptive force for this country that he in spite of everything in spite of like an incredibly like fucked up past that he has with that country he still cares for it he still believes that there is a good in it um which might play into future things that we might one day get to talk about on this podcast if another video game ever fucking comes out if if there is a dragon age 4 i mean <laughs> would it be called it probably wouldn't be called dragon age 4 i don't no, think it would have some it. fucking it'd be, it'd be strange if they did yeah um the thing about you know y- you start out with dorian right mm-hmm. you get the mage side quest you do all his stuff he loves you already mm-hmm. i had to work hard to get dorian to like me i even streamed some of it the other day that i was just killing all these uh venatory mages just to build up some approval with dorian and start those conversations but i think the other interesting aspect especially if you go the templar route is that knowing that corypheus is from tevinter and a tevinter mage as well you know kind of the original sin of the Mm -hmm. tevinter mages 
there's like a really interesting angle there too that almost the same as Solus when Solus approaches you with the orb and is like, mm-hmm. hey, look, yeah. this is what's going on. You know, just giving you a heads up. You have Dorian who is immediately like, look, I get it. <laughs> That's you are seeing the end result of what my pride could bring about if if I was to chase it, but I promise I'm not like that. Um, yeah. Like, he's... Not to just fawn over the dude for multiple minutes before we <laughs> even get into the quest, but the thing I, I, I find so fascinating about this character is I think it's so easy to fall into traps when writing this, this style of character. Like, And Ken, you're going to kill me for this because I can't remember the name of the character but in andromeda the very like han solo type character on on the wasteland world um, uh reyes reyes yeah uh yeah him that is that is dorian written not as well in my opinion mm. <laughs> um that is that character like kind of done up too much whereas dorian has this confidence and this charm and this swagger and just this like he oozes charisma and personality but then also he's able to turn it on a dime and get very serious very Mm -hmm. quick and he's like the immediate feeling i got from this character and and i'm I'm speaking to this because i had less time to on-ramp with this character as as opposed to ken where you you kind of get the side quest that that slowly ingratiates you to him I kind of had to go from zero to a hundred with Dorian this time around. And I was just constantly impressed by like the way that Dorian in one conversation, I immediately remembered everything about this character. I was like, right. This Mm -hmm. is who this character stands for. This is what this character stands for. This is like their, their aura practically like Dorian is a character that, just works in every scene he's in and that that might sound like it's a weird thing to say in a video game or whatever but there are plenty of times where i think characters like uh colin or even sarah and stuff like that or solace have kind of just been in a scene to serve a purpose but dorian Mm -hmm. always feels like he's supposed to be there and feels very natural to the story of dragon age in a way that i really appreciate you get a real sense that like the writers fucking loved this character and like yes, wanted to make, yes. make the most of every moment he was in. And I mean, he, like, I don't think in terms of maybe the dynamics between the relationships and the Inquisitor kind of like universally works, but I think he's like very much like a kind of a Garrus staple mm-hmm. of, of Dragon yes. Age where the writing team has such like a strong sense of who he is that he, like, he, like he, every t- like every time he speaks and every scene, it matters. And they don't have him there just to take up space and he's able to, contribute in ways that only he can like and just he's really he's really special and just in that way that like they just have such a really great understanding of the character they've made and how Mm -hmm. people from are going to come to him from all different angles i think yeah like i i think there are all the characters in this game are very well written but you can pick out like a select few who definitely Mm -hmm. feel like there was a master document like one sheet of this is who this character is and we are going to stick to this and so characters like dorian and iron bull are just immensely memorable because mm-hmm. they just feel so cohesive as a character so yeah. unified as a character across all the writing that's happening uh so with that in mind uh we we talked to dorian a bit we get to know dorian 
you know maybe we're doing some quests where we're killing some mages with dorian <laughs> at our side you know yeah. as um, as one does now that i'm thinking about it so like the first conversation other than the one we talked about last week where you talked about like you know Krivis is a master and i like feel this sort of shame about that being from Deventer and this is like we started this and you know him reckoning with that after that there's a conversation I don't know if you would have had it if, um, he talks about Felix and he's gotten a note from him where yes, he went back to I, did, okay. I did have that conversation okay um, so I guess in that in that scenario you kind of have to be told who Felix was and how mm-hmm. that mattered okay because um, that was one it, that's like one of the the first scenes where he's like you really see him just be able to like be this very like nuanced character who is capable of like you know, awful things are happening, and but he's able to like approach it with grace and humor, and kind of like maybe that's deflecting. But he talked about how like Felix went back to Deventer and told like the Magisterium about us, the the Inquisitor, and kind of like supported us. But he also the the note he has is about his passing as well. For the the blight took him, and um, you can talk to Dorian a little bit about like oh you know, there oh did you not get that. Well, no, my conversation about Felix was just very different. Oh, really? Um, yeah. His was very... Um, it, it was like... I just kind of got the sense of who Felix was as a character and, and who Felix was to Dorian. And it was a lot more about, like... You know, it, it was very somber. They didn't talk about the blight or anything like that. And maybe it was different because you did have that mm-hmm. experience with Dorian yeah. and you had the the side quest. But mine was much more like, oh, tell me more about this person. You know, let me yeah. learn. I got a lot of, like, very basic facts about who Felix was and all that. And then all of a sudden, Dorian was like, oh, by the way, he's dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Because, like, when he, talks, when he talked to me, it was very much like, this is a person that we both knew who helped us with uh, everything that we just did. And then, you know, you ask him about, like, sort of... Because, um, like, you know, it, Dorian grew up... Or not grew up, but, like, you know, he spent an unspeakable amount of time with Alexius and Felix, like, living with them. And he talked mm-hmm. about how, like, Felix would, like, sneak him food and, like, when he was in the studies. Yes, I did have that, yeah. yeah. And you also get the chance to, like, ask if um, they were involved, which is, like, a weird thing to like have the option to say but also like i was coming at it as like a person that is interested in this person and kind of like gauging where i stood so like it felt like like dorian even like kind of acknowledged that like that's a weird thing for you to ask but like i was just like i i didn't mean anything by it i'm sorry and he's just like no we weren't involved i wasn't gonna like betray alexia's hospitality like in taking me in like this by seducing his son and um it's one of those things, like, there are a few instances in this game where I feel like you get the, you get the chance to, like, have a dialogue option that maybe you shouldn't take. Like, you see it and you're like, that's maybe overstepping or phrased in a way that I'm not super comfortable with, so you can maybe just not. Um, there are actually a couple of those in this uh, quest that we'll get to. So. Well, I'll, I'll say that for me, I, I did that dialogue option, and that was more like I was hearing about this person for the first time and how much they meant to Dorian. So I saw his mind quizzer being like, were you involved? Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was good. It, again, it's a good setup. And then we get to Ken up to this point, I've really liked mother Giselle for all mm. that mother Giselle is. Um, but what I'm quickly feeling like, is that it's 
it's like once we once we had one asshole priest die at Haven, <laughs> Bioware needed another priest mm. to step up and take up the mantle. Yeah. And so Mother Giselle decides to get all up in everybody's business, all especially mm. Dorian's, mm-hmm. especially Dorian's, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not wild about because I kind of liked her character as being the the faith representative and being that character who's kind of like, oh, this is you know she she represented the good of the church in my opinion, you know, like mm. the good that the church can provide. Mm-hmm. Um, so to all of a sudden have her being like, oh, by the way. Uh, I have a a letter here. Uh, I'm trying to set up a meeting between Dorian and his estranged father. Uh, they did not separate on good terms, and his father's like actively hunted. And like the whole time, I was having flashbacks to Fenris's quest and mm-hmm. all that. And I was like, "Oh God, Giselle, you would get approval points for turning Fenris over, wouldn't you?" <laughs> Go mm-hmm. Anders on me. Um, so. I was kind of weirded out by the way this quest starts, mm. uh, that you're just kind of being given a letter and being told like, hey, you know, Dorian's, Dorian's father, who you can kind of get some info about up to this point of just talking to Dorian and being like, you know, what's up with your family? You know, do you have any family and all that? You can kind of get the sense that, uh, you know, obviously he ran away, he's doing his own thing, but he doesn't really want to talk about it. Uh, well, now we know a little bit more about okay the father wants to meet up and apparently like there was there's some hostility between them let's say Mm. uh and we get a very interesting choice here ken Mm -hmm. one that i think is a really smart choice all things considered that that they give this to you i almost kind of wish they didn't like put this as a task and just kind of had the option there of if you think of doing this then you get this scene otherwise you just go straight to the thing but you have the option of taking this letter and going to dorian and saying hey here's what's up yeah what do you want to do uh i really appreciated that because i think the scene that results is extremely good mm-hmm. and sets up the the forthcoming quest very well but yeah. also it's just kind of a recognition of you get to choose how involved in these people's lives you are and obviously like you know as people who play this game narratively we're going to go in and be like yeah no i want to do that thing i want to do that option but i feel like it's allowing the player to make a conscious choice to be more involved in someone's life or not to either be the inquisitor who's just like well i'm here here's dorian talk i guess or to Mm -hmm. like really get in there be like hey i got this letter and your dad yeah. wants to talk like do you want to do that like tell me how you're feeling and so like i i like that choice just like how detached or not you want to be and mm-hmm. you know i've i've never really heard a very convincing like head canon reason to not talk to him about it because it just feels like you you gather that you know the family is not on good terms so why would you betray trust that way um in Sort of like maybe you want, maybe you fear that they won't go speak to it, or like he won't go speak to them, or like maybe you and like maybe in that scenario, like maybe you view this as kind of like a business decision or like you know a relationship decision where you're trying to do good on like uh, Tevinter and like you know a influential family over there. Like you know there are maybe there are, there are reasons I guess that you can make it up in your head that would make it work. But I just like that just seems like a huge potential because like you don't know on what terms. 
or like to what extent there is bad blood here. Like it is could be this could have been a re- an abusive relationship. This could have been all like a huge spectrum of possibilities here. Mm-hmm. So it just, I mean, it was never it's never been a question for me. Like I'm, I'm going to tell him that this is what's up and let him decide how we're going to proceed. And and the scene you get is is very good. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of get some more context and and all that and uh you can even you even have the option of being like hey you know here's here's the letter and stuff like and then it transitions into a cutscene which i found like very effective because usually uh you have kind of the standing there and talking mm-hmm. conversations which are just very basic and all that it's like where do you come from well i come from here and all that no. uh but then you get into like the more evolved cutscenes and all and the way it evolves from that is really cool but also dorian just has this moment where he's like let's go yeah let's go see who my father has paid to sit around and wait for me to show up and all that and that that was that moment where i was just like hell yeah dorian <laughs> hell yeah like let's yeah. go and he was <laughs> like if, if if it turns out to be a trap we can just kill everyone you're really good at that and i was like yeah. you're right i am let's fucking do it like mm. god he really now that you've said it he really is the garris of this game mm. in in so many ways um yeah. so after i mean you probably just fast traveled there right away i had to fight through a bunch of stuff because i had never been to Redcliffe oh, up to this point uh, yeah, fair. <laughs> which i was like swiftly reminded of how like weird it is to find a part of the map if you don't really have context for where that stuff is because yeah. i just kind of went I almost ran into the dragon at one point. That was a bad thing. (laughs) That was was a bad time. But uh, once we get to Redcliffe, which is where we are meeting uh, the retainer, uh, we walk inside the bar and we find out that, well, it's not a retainer. It is Dorian's dad. Dorian's dad is here uh, to talk to him. And this is kind of the this this conversation is the real bulk of Dorian's companion quest, and this is the part where I'm going to step back a bit and let Ken talk. <laughs> um, I'm just going to intro kind of where we get to this stuff, and then you know I'll let I'll let Ken take the lead from there. But um, it's at this point that we we meet up with dorian's father and we kind of learn how they became estranged and it was largely because uh dorian is gay dorian is a uh gay man he likes he likes dudes uh there's a really weird dialogue option that you get where you can be like well like you have a reaction as the inquisitor where you can be like, well, I never knew. I imagine you probably have an extra one for like a romance style option. Cause I just yeah. kind of had all different versions of like, well, I never knew or, oh, I could always tell or something like that. Yeah. Like there, there are ways like you can like ask like clarification as to like what he's talking about. And then Dorian's like, I, I don't know how I can be any clear. I can yeah. get some diagrams <laughs> for you to like explain to you what I'm talking about. But then you have the opportunity to kind of like, Flirt or th- the, a quote unquote flirting lines to them like, oh word, me too. And then if you've been flirting with him, Dorian's like, you don't say, no shit. Like okay, um, and in that way, like, I'm not like I, I don't 
go into that particular like dialogue tree because I don't think it like adds much unless you're like just a completely fucking dense person who doesn't mm-hmm. get what he's saying. So I just I've never really bothered with that. But you do the one of the other uh, investigation things. It's like you can kind of ask about like so that really is important to people in Taventer then and yeah. He talked about like in Taventer everyone is trying to like get ahead and like get into the magisterium and that involves a lot of like arranged marriages and like mm-hmm. you know uh, trying to like breed like the perfect mage and like that is like a weird thing that like you know it's, it's how Dorian came to be like his his parents were in an arranged marriage and because magic uh, went or magic was strong in his mother's side and so they were you know. Like, okay, we need to have a mage son who will be able to get ahead of mm-hmm. the magisterium. And so he's, like, the product of, like, a certain type of culture that he is, like, diametrically opposed to. Um, so, yeah. That that scene always makes me laugh where, you, where you're like, wait, you know, it's, clarify for me is mm. I think of that scene from Scott Pilgrim where it's, like, it zooms into his head and it's just that spinning wheel and it lands on, he gets it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, he gets it now, okay. Yeah. Um, but before before I, I flip it over to you, uh, I do want to say, like, that was one part that was refreshing to me. Was I, I remembered what the core conflict of this whole meeting was, and especially some of the stuff that we don't even touch on here, but, like, afterwards, in speaking with Dorian later... Uh, we really learned the extent of how tense things got between him and his father. But uh, the one the one thing that, that took me back was I, I, I just remembered it as Dorian is gay and his father does not like that. Mm. But tying it into Tevinter and making it like his, his dad isn't his dad is mad that his son is gay but also because that means that his son does not want to marry the woman that his dad wants Mm -hmm. him to marry and so i thought it was interesting that they didn't just kind of do this story but even found an additional way to tie it into the world and tell you more Mm -hmm. about the world and tell you more about the culture of this place that you don't even see in this game but you understand more about Mm -hmm. just what the general mindset is there i mean it reminded me it's like a very similar storyline to what you'd see in like a um you know in, in england where the son is marrying some princess from france or something but then also has his hunting pal that he goes on many mm. hunting trips with and stuff what is there's an actual movie oh it's i'm thinking of braveheart i think i think i'm actually thinking of the movie braveheart <laughs> right now um yeah it's mm it was an interesting way to frame that because I felt like, okay, now I understand more about this while I'm being mad at Dorian's father for Mm. being a complete asshole. For Mm. more on that, we turn to Kenneth Shepard. So as the conversations escalate, uh, we learn that Dorian's father was going to go a whole step further and Mm -hmm. try and use a blood magic ritual to basically like the specifics of what it would have done to Dorian is not really said whether it would like, basically to feel like mind control or like actually alter the way his brain works and like would make him straight uh it's like very clearly like a magical uh allegory to conversion therapy which is like a, a real thing that people attempt to do in the real world which mm-hmm. has no basis in science but it's like an attempt people do to like like they send their their children or like some people even go with their own volition to try and be quote-unquote cured of their sexuality um 
before before I get into like my thoughts because I have many, um, what did you end up doing in this, in this quest? Because we get the opportunity to right, do yeah. a couple of things. Um, basically, how we're going to handle the the situation that we are currently in, which is what is is Doran going to stick around, hear his father out, or is he just going to leave? So, what did you do? For me personally, um, the thing that even got me about this scene going into it was I, I have to stress like the acting in the scene is incredibly good mm-hmm. um dorian's voice actor does an incredible job and the the part that struck me was on one side you have like all this built up rage from dorian like normally a very calm composed you know he's he's very in his element he always looks like he is he belongs mm-hmm. where he should be and he's right. the one that owns the room and all that um to just being like extremely mad and furious at the sight of his father but mm-hmm. then his dad is i mean he just looks like a dude who is at the end of his rope it is like from the moment he steps in he barely says words for mm-hmm. for most of the first half of this conversation and he's just trying to get words out that like you can tell he's like this character that it it feels like he's been preparing for this moment for forever Mm -hmm. and even then it wasn't enough like he still is just trying to eke out the words and so you get to this kind of climax moment where we have the option to either storm out or um try and convince dorian to stay and i feel like there's two different really so there those are the two options and then within those options we have two different kind of ways of approaching it i feel so if we're gonna storm out you can do either a are we done which is like right extremely callous in a way that is just uh no um or a let's get you out of here kind of a more sympathetic tone um and then if you choose to stay and try to continue the conversation, you can either, you know, you didn't let him speak, which, again, feels kind of like condescending. And right. uh, or you can just be like, hey, don't leave it like this. You're, you're not going to be happy with yourself if you leave yeah. it like this. And that was the option I ultimately took, because mm. I felt like seeing those two emotions from those two characters there was a yearning for them to want some sort of closure on both ends, even if that doesn't result in some sort of great, you know, resolution, you know, they're not going to feel hunky dory about each other or anything, but they are going to at least be able to get the things off their chest that they have been wanting to say the questions they've been wanting to ask the answers they've been looking for, for a long time. And Mm -hmm also like you know i get the there is also the sense of like they're so estranged that like how often are they ever going to see each other again they need to do this at some point so like Mm. in that moment i was like hey dorian you don't want to leave it like this you will regret it if you miss this chance um so that that's what i went with what what did did you go with ken Uh, i actually got him out of there i my like as soon as um he kind of uh explained the issue to me like just initially like i I am gay my father doesn't approve i was like okay then we can leave like i'm not here to entertain that and then when it got you know it went the next step further where i learned the specifics of what he was planning to do i was like i'm gonna get you out of here 
th- this is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put you through this. I'm not going to let him be near you any longer. This is, you know, we're out. Mm. This, is, this is done. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from, like, I don't... So for context, like, personally, I, I, I come from a very supportive family. I kind of, like, seeded, like, as I was growing up, the sort of uh, notion that I was gay, like, throughout my siblings first before I went to my parents. Like, by the time that my mm-hmm. my mother knew, I, my siblings had known for years. And I did end up in a place where, like, I, you know, eventually my mother came around, my father came around immediately. Um, but I was, when I was about to come out to my parents, I was ready to leave like I was like ready to like you know put myself first and not like put myself through whatever abuse I might uh, be put through luckily it didn't come to that but it was just like an an acknowledgement that I had that if I'm going to be in an environment that's not going to be supportive of me I need to do whatever I can to get out of it and that is sort of like the instinct that comes to me as soon as I get into this conversation where I'm like this character who I care about is in a situation where someone who wanted to hurt him in ways that are like unfathomable to me uh, is in the room and I'm not about to let anything happen to him. So I want him out and, and he wants out. So we're gone. Um, and we get to, after that we get like, we go back to Skyhold. I have to like, regardless, we go back to Skyhold. And mm-hmm. for me, Dorian was like, I know he cares about me in his own way. And like, he thought, in his own messed up way that he was, he was doing what was best for me. Um, but this, that's not, that's not, that's not the reality of, that I want. That's not who I want to be. That's not, I don't want to like even think about what I would have been like had this actually gone through. Um, what is, what is that, that conversation like at Skyhold for you? Um, so all that, all that gets added is that, um, if you stay instead of leaving, like, uh, Dorian's father basically says, I did not come here to try and steal back my son only to ask for his forgiveness. Um, it's very much a scene where he's like, like I was saying earlier, he's, he's this character who's just like, he realizes that the things he has done in the past have been like incredibly wrong and, and has lost him a person that he cares about in the process. And so he's just mm-hmm. kind of come to say what he wants to say um and then leave it there and so dorian the the one thing that maybe bothered me about this was i didn't get a strong sense of where these characters left off afterwards Mm. um they don't talk too much about whether there was any sort of grand resolution or not the sense i got was that uh dorian was just kind of like you know he he apologized for what he needed to apologize for um but you know what he did is what he did he can't ever really take that back right and i think he knows that too um and and then it kind of goes into just talking about you know like you know he wants to be his own person he wants to be his own character and all that he Mm -hmm. wants to have agency in his life and be who he is and not be not have that be determined by where he's born or who he's born to Mm. right so at the end of this conversation, that is when, you know, you can finally initiate the romance, because mm-hmm. uh, Dorian makes a comment like, oh, I, you must think I'm, uh, like, a complete mess after you saw that, and then I, like, the romance option is something along the lines of, like, I think, I don't think less of you, I think more of you now, um, I think you're brave, and then 
they kiss and then so like that you you know you start the relationship there but so it's it's a recurring theme and i don't know how much of this comes across throughout like if you're not in a relationship with them but like dorian's entire story is about you know it's like these allegories of homophobia both internal and external um Mm. and a lot of the romance is kind of like you having to like break down some of those barriers and like those uh you know those knee-jerk reactions he has to things, you know, from growing and growing up in uh, an environment that was made him, made him feel like shameful about these things, or like that they were the things that could only happen behind closed doors. Um, I've got a, like an overall encompassing thought on the entirety of Dorian's kind of story, but let's get through the rest of it and before I go on that, because I've got kind of how I felt. Of, I, got, I got I like I have like two mindsets behind it. One is what I thought six years ago when I first played this game. And what is what I think now? Because you know, we'll put a pin in that as we continue on in the story because that thread kind of keeps going. Because Mother Giselle, she comes up in here, and she starts talking about how uh, there's like whispers of like Dorian being this like influential figure and like mm-hmm. this, yeah, this uh, like and she she even talks about like these rumors are going to keep are going to continue if you don't address them. Um, Heavily implying that the rumors are that we are together, and that uh... which is weird because it's the same for my character as well. Is mm. she's like, oh, there's rumors about him having influence over you and stuff. And I, even like as a as a female character, I was standing there like, do they not know about him? <laughs> they, does, it, uh... does it specifically bring up like that there is a rumor of like romance? Mm-mm. Okay. Because like that un- that has a undue influence or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Was yours like specifically romance? Yeah, and it was. And oh, I think okay. that way, even if you're not actually in the romance, like if you're just a, a male character, um, mm. or at least I've I think I've seen a variation of the scene that says something like that. And you know that and that goes into like that is another like kind of like allegory of homophobia and like specifically by a churchgoer. Like that is something that is interesting about Mother Giselle, not necessarily endearing, like, to her, but, like, it is an interesting thing to kind of see, like, this character we've seen, in most contexts, has been this very caring, uh, thoughtful person, but when it comes to this thing in particular, uh, we learn that maybe she's not all she pretends to be, um, which is, you know, a lot of the case for a lot of, um, you know, seemingly well-meaning, like, God-loving Christian folk. That is something that happens a lot like you know the most kind people in certain contexts the second they learn a certain truth about you and they immediately uh turn around and they're completely different they're judgmental and spreading rumors and uh talking about you behind your back um mm-hmm. so yeah go you good I, I was just gonna say the thing i like about this and and i know that you probably have the the same experience with this as well but it is very like southern passive aggressive mm-hmm. like yep. she's like oh you know i don't have yep. a problem with it but you know appearances right. and stuff like yeah, that it's exactly. like exactly. oh i was i was reading that and i was like oh man that i've heard that before mm-hmm. in my life and i have heard it said so many times mm-hmm. and good lord <laughs> yeah and that's like so you're seeing all these sort of like external forces of homophobia that are being projected onto him through mm-hmm. his dad, through Giselle. The romance arc for at least, like, the next little bit is a lot of having to do with, like, Dorian clearly has internalized some of it. Um, mm-hmm. As much, like, as proud as he is and how, as loud as he wants to be and as 
angry as he is about everything, he clearly still holds some of that shit with him. Because um, we get to these, these uh, romance-specific quests, which we'll, we'll be talking about with every romanceable character in the game when we get to their episodes. Um, it starts out where he apparently, in his, um, like his quest to late adventure, he sold a birthright, which is like this... Uh, uh, it's like this piece of jewelry that's like um, associated with like family lines into Venter that it basically is like a, a symbol of status and so like he was able to sell it off for like you know a fair amount of money to get to where he needed to get to um, mm-hmm. and we get uh, a letter I think it was from Liliana that she like saw Dorian fighting with somebody like on Skyhold grounds and um, it turns out it was this uh, person from like, oh, let me double check his name because I want to be sure I get it. Is it Ponchard de Lue? Yeah, yeah. That man. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll he... call him Ponch. Good old All Ponch. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, so it turns out he was the person that he sold the uh, the birthright to. Uh, Dorian maybe has a little bit of regret about selling it in the first place and he wants it back. Uh, he's not taking money for it. He wants specifically influence with the Inquisitor. Um, mm. And so... You have the opportunity to talk to Dorian about it first and be like, hey, do you need help? Like, are you in a situation where, like, I can help you? And he's like, hell no. Like, you don't, like, I don't want your help. I'm not going to be seen as this person that's using the Inquisitor for his influence. Um, but you're able to kind of, like, persist and uh, go to Vario and meet meet Ponch and uh, kind of, like, figure out what his deal is, what he wants. And if you bring Dorian, he's, like, livid that we're even there. Um, and he wants... Um, let me let me double check make sure. Yeah, once he figures out that Dorian has tied to the Inquisition, uh, he wants the Inquisitor to use their influence to uh, get him into, uh, like basically like this noble group uh, in Orle. Um, mm. The whole time Dorian's like, "No, leave this be. This is not your problem. This is mine. I don't want your help." Um, and as the conversation goes on, uh, Ponch will make a like make reference to your relationship and be like. Uh, you should listen to uh, your your friend here. You need to listen to what he's saying to you. And then Dorian has this moment where he snaps and says, uh, he's not my friend. And the Inquisitor like, will look at him like, you know, shocked and hurt, like, what what the fuck was that? Um, and that is like, as a person who is, who is gay and who's grown up in the South, I've seen people who think that, like, if they feel like the truth of who they are is about to be uh, noted or mentioned. Um, they t- have a tendency to lash out at anyone who's around them thinking that that will alleviate suspicion, which that's like a whole loaded... Like, it's, it's also kind of like a trope in a lot of fiction writing, but it is very, it's a very real thing. I've seen it like in real time um, where people are like, oh, people that get angry about being called gay are the ones that actually are gay and they're closeted and they're frustrated with, her, with themselves, and I can understand how that would be, like, maybe um, bothersome to some people, but I think it's just a very matter-of-fact thing that it fucking happens. Um, but because I am insufferable, I was like, okay, I'll help you, and then Dorian's like, duh, I can't believe you've done this, and puffs off, and you, you have, um, a, like, a war table mission where you can, uh, like, you, you basically make the arrangement so he has that influence, and then you get the birthright back, and you take it to Dorian, and he's like, now I'm indebted to you. I didn't want this. I, I specifically told you not to do this. And I was like, 
I this is what you want. Like you want this back. Like why are you angry at me about it? And then he kind of goes on about thing like, now everyone's going to think that I'm only in this relationship and like here at the Inquisition to use you and to like use your influence. And then you can make a joke like, so now you're like just use me. Like that's are you or are you all talk? Like and he's like, uh, he's like you're glorious. I'm sorry that was an ass. I'll have to make it up to you somehow. Um, then we get to the sex scene, and it's not bad. Just says, not bad. It's, it's saucy. Get, yeah, he comes in and he's like very, uh, sort like you get a couple options, but like he comes in and he's very um, you know, horny, and you can <laughs> like you can either you know just roll with the moment, or you can kind of be like, can we slow it down? Maybe like this is like. Not the uh, environment or tone or like uh, tone of the moment that I want for this to happen, um, and then he, you can kind of be like this is he'll be like this is all I really know about having relationships with men. This is like what happens in Tevinter. This is all I've been taught to expect, um, and you get like a semblance of that conversation that's maybe less bewildered in the scenario where you kind of like roll with it, and Dorian's trying to kind of assess the situation like. What happens now? Like, do you want this to just be the, just be the end of it? And you have the opportunity to do that. And then he's like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna go do literally anything else." Or you can be like, "No, I want more. Like, this is not some fleeting to me. This isn't some fleeting thing that like I have been doing all these things for you to get you into bed." And then he like he's really taken aback and he's like, "I wasn't expecting that because that's just not what happens in Tevinter. So like, I was I came in here basically braced for this to go wrong." at this point. Um, and he's like, you're reassuring him, like, you're out of there, this is like, your new life, you have the freedom to be happy here. And this is, mm-hmm. like, all the preconceived notions you have of how the world is going to be and how your life is going to be, they they can't find you here. So, like, we are, we can be as foolish and reckless as we want to be, because this is our life now. So, going back to 2014, six years ago, I was of a very specific mind about all of this because I, and I, I still like to, to clarify like I still have a lot of respect for this entire story that is told here. Um, in twenty fourteen, I had, like I said earlier, like I had come off of a relationship that was kind of like this, where like it was you know a person dealing with a lot of internalized shit and it didn't work out, and so there was like a level of catharsis in watching mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And watching this whole relationship play out and end up better than the one I was in did. And it's just like a very interesting, frank, in-universe discussion of issues that games didn't really talk about. Like, not specific, like specifically not in like a AAA space. Um, something that was, um, I mean, like technically it is avoidable, quote-unquote, if you just don't engage with Dorian's shit. But like, it is part of, you know, a critical path of this game people will have to engage with in some way or another. Um and it's like I really appreciated how bold it was. I appreciated how unapologetic it was, um, and you know, for, for good and for good and for good and for ill. Like you saw like all the um, the awful things that Dorian had to go through, but you also saw him eventually learn to overcome them. And you know, six years ago, it spoke to me in one way. I've come to this is something I've been thinking, I've been thinking about a lot since uh, the Last of Us Part Two came out, and the sort of way that people, like, different people have different reads on queer stories depending on where they are in life. 
because mm-hmm. there's like, you know there are instances of like uh, prejudice in Last of Us Part Two's queer stories that some people like say oh that's destructive no one needs to see that no one needs to experience that where there are people who might be in different points in their lives where like there's like a you know you, you relate to the it's it's one thing to relate to a character for their identity it's another thing to relate to them for their struggle and mm. if you're in a certain point in your life where that is meaningful for you to see um, it's going to read very differently to you than it would to somebody who is maybe so far beyond that point in their life it's not something they particularly care to retread um, playing through all of this now six years removed and being you know I mean, not everything in my life is perfect, but, like, I am in a place where I am so far removed from issues like being closeted or, like, dealing with prejudice, like, in any way that was, like, or, like, hiding yourself because you're afraid of prejudice or backlash, um, or dealing with, you know, a, a partner who might not be as open as you are. Um, now that I am, you know, I'm 27 years old and I have gotten so distanced from that point in my life where I was ever around people that tried to make me feel anything less than I deserve to be. Um, It doesn't really bring the same way to me. Like, I I still appreciate it for everything it does, but it's not... I don't relate to it in that way anymore. And that's something that I wish that, like, certain queer spaces would kind of come to terms to, is that eventually these stories don't have to be for you anymore. Like, they don't have to be for the point you are in your life. They don't have to be this universal thing that everyone goes through. Because even if it doesn't mean anything to you, it's going to mean the world to somebody else. Like, there are people Mm -hmm. that, if they were to play Dragon Age Inquisition today, and they are in, like, a very different point in their life than I am, or somebody who's been out for, like, maybe, like, 20, 30, 40 years. Like, they have been so removed from that moment in their life that it's maybe uncomfortable to watch and to kind of like relive and go back to that point in your life, which it was for me, like to, to play it again. Like I was like, I, this doesn't, I want to see Dorian in a Dragon Age 4 be in a place where this shit just rolls off his back. I want to see him be at a point in his life where the effects of like his upbringing and the things that might have almost happened to him don't haunt him the way that they do in this game. Um, mm. But I get that this is like a point that you know is worth seeing, and like it contextualizes to Venter in ways that like it, you know it, it has ramifications beyond Dorian specifically. Like it it paints a picture of a culture we've only heard of instead of having seen. Um, so I really appreciate the whole story, like, I, like I said, like, and I, I kind of joked about it, like, I also kind of mean it, like, if I don't take anything away from Dragon Age, it, I will always hold, I have a spot in my heart for Dorian Pavis and the story and the relationship that he and my Inquisitor have, um, which isn't done developing yet, either. There's, like, stuff that's, uh, like, kind of, and, like, far off near the end game that we'll get to later, where, you know, there's still more to come for these people, and, like, there's a an implication that there's going to be more in the far-off future of the Dragon Age universe. Um, so, you know, it's, a, it's an origin story, but it's one that I hope that it... I hope it, I hope that it will continue to mean something to somebody at any point, like, you know, years from now, um, even if it doesn't mean the same thing for me. 
Yeah. It's, um, I mean, you put it all very, very well. Um, it's, I think Dorian, the way we get this set up here, I, I think it's interesting that we started with this character because not only is it a character that, like, you know, one of us cares a great deal about, but it's also this, like, that that was it. We didn't fight anything. We didn't murder a dragon. We didn't, like, mm-hmm. get involved in deep political affairs or really, like, it's a pretty low-key companion quest, all things considered. Yeah. Um, compared to the scale that some of this other stuff operates on and the i like inquisition because it has that breadth and it has that mm-hmm. um like like ability to scale up and down and back and forth and do all these different things and still feel like it's playing to the best of what its characters can be and yeah i just i i always come away from this feeling like just dorian is immediately one of my favorite bioware companions Mm. for that for this story for the way that you know i i was just immediately um i'm looking for the right word like i just immediately gelled with this character Mm. and it it felt like him being an inquisition was given like the narrative weight that most other mass effect characters didn't get through multiple games and he gets all this stuff all this development in one game Mm -hmm. and so it does make me hopeful that in the future we will see more of this character we'll see like where where dorian can go like you mentioned um you know where can he grow from here now that he's kind of shed this weight Mm -hmm. on his shoulders um i think it could get very interesting Maybe we'll get some hints to what that's gonna be in the rest of this game. He's also like just he's been in like several comic books and novels at this point. Like they a series in a series that is like very quick to just toss characters aside when they're done with them. They seem to be keeping him around a lot, which I'm really stoked about because I think it's just gonna it's just for the proof that like this character meant something to them beyond you know one game and beyond one moment in this universe's time well and this this might also sound kind of cheesy and all that but coming off of a game where like i mentioned in dragon age 2 a lot of the characters feel like they're oriented in ways to uh reflect the larger conflict of the game Mm -hmm. and you know that's kind of what that game is going for that plays to that game's overall strengths but here in inquisition Dorian's status as a mage is brought up and discussed, but it feels like it's in service to his own narrative. Like mm-hmm. the the fact that magic is involved feels like it's a you know a narrative beat. You know, magic is involved because bloodlines are involved, and because you know it's used as a stand-in for the character's development, and not the other way around, where the character's development mm-hmm. is furthering this you know templar v mage conflict or whatever and i just yeah i i like this way of telling story for what this story is for what this narrative is um Mm. man dragon age inquisition pretty good game Um, pretty good game before we get moving on to more stuff uh i wanted to do a gameplay check-in because uh, i've been messing around in the open world a bit more Mm -hmm. In Inquisition, uh, I took my first fort the other day. 
Yeah. That was that was fun. I forgot about that mechanic completely, which I feel like it was played up a lot in the pre-release and then mm-hmm. the the end results, like the game we finally got in the end, it was really not that big of a mechanic. Um frankly, there's you only need to take one fort as far as I remember to unlock all the ones that you need to have like a stronghold for like the inquisition mm-hmm. perks and stuff like that. Uh which I've been going through those as well basically just picking up things that are like hey you know you get more xp for kills or you you can carry more health potions now so it's not such a pain in the butt anymore (laughs) um but i have kind of been working my way through that stuff i did finally specialize as a character so my my rogue is starting to feel more like a rogue and less like a squishy stabby poker person but i'm actually starting like once i get my next level and i get into the rotation of okay i have my one ability that does three six hits of 300 percent weapon damage and i have the ability that lets me crit out of stealth so all of those hits will be critical strikes and then every time i get a kill uh, my stealth cooldown is refreshed and i can go back into stealth i can start doing the build and mm. murdering and uh as i was talking about on the stream the other day uh i my inquisitor finally learned how to stab people and it's great you know it's (laughs) that's what we've been waiting for i had to make an item ken how did how does specialization stuff work for mage again do you have to do all the quests and stuff as well yeah i mean there there was one point where i had to like uh craft like um a blade for my staff for one which i don't even use any of the abilities that was kind of weird um because i ended up I'm a knight enchanter, that's my specialization, and um, mm-hmm. it was like I had to go like kill certain spirits in the world and take their essence and uh, bring them back <laughs> to the teacher and also like steal a book off Vivian's desk for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Knight enchanter is a pretty I... interesting playstyle though, because like, like, you get a sword as a mage. And, oh, you get like, to you stab actually, things as a mage? Yeah, like you get, it's like, it's not like the actual weapon that you use as like your, you know, your uh, primary weapon. Um, but it's more like I, I think that you charge up and like it charges with, with subsequent attacks and uh, but then you can actually like get in and get up close and you know actually do some pretty heavy damage um, up close mm-hmm. and personal, which is kind of antithetical to how I typically played as a mage. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm getting to the part of the game now where like not only myself but my other companions are starting to specialize and. You know, for most of them, I, I think for all of them, they all just kind of specialize into different classes that your character could also mm-hmm. specialize into. So, like, uh, Solus is a Rift Mage, and uh, Cassandra's, which I just started leveling up, is like uh, a Templar sort of playstyle where she has mm-hmm. this great move where she makes everyone's weapons have, like, holy blessing on them that makes them do extra damage to mm-hmm. demons. Big fan of that. It was great. I got that right before I did the whole uh, there's a rift under the Crestwood Lake quest mm. where you fight a lot of demons. Yep. And I was like, okay, this is great. I'm loving this. Uh, but I just needed to shout out real quick uh, for the assassin quest, I had to go out and get all these different herbs and kill actual assassins and stuff like that to craft an item called the murder knife. That's I love it. A- I love the name of that item. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you now, that is a meme from the Dragon Age 2 days. <laughs> okay, that because, is? That is, yeah, actually? I mean, like, you know how Hawk had, like, the knife that they would use to just stab anybody that needed to be stabbed? 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that's was called on like, the Bioware forums the murder knife for the longest time, so it kind of made its way in there. Well, I really appreciate that I got to craft an item called the murder knife and and do murder with it. Uh, it's, it's, that's good. I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, Hawk did always have a murder knife. You know, you just, when you're Hawk, you gotta have that handy, you know? that's yep, You never know when a, somebody's gonna blow up the Chantry. <laughs> you gotta do some murdering. Uh, as always, we are a Patreon as well. We patreon.com slash normdfm. We have tons of wonderful listeners who, you know, y'all, y'all give what you can when you can. You know, we appreciate it a lot. Uh, for some of you, you give enough for a for y'all to get a shout out every week and those folks this week are kevin kulikowski chris johns alice hawk colin just colin just reds just zach mickle and the wedge of destiny i'm, I'm sorry i'm just i gotta go with that one <laughs> i can't read the whole thing every time uh and if you donate at a certain level, you get to ask us listener questions. Uh, Just Reds has submitted a listener question. Just Reds asks, "What's some minor technical nitpicks are? Uh, what minor technical nitpicks are y'all getting from Inquisition right now? Mine's the fact that the subtitles are on the top of the screen instead of the bottom, and the lack of a sprint button. Um, I get why there's no sprints." because uh, there's a horse and all that and mm. kind of you know want can i don't use the horse <laughs> i tried using I... the horse and was like why am i using the horse i've started i can i've around the horse i kind of have to but uh, one one of the nice things about being a mage is you get uh this, this ability called uh, i think it's called fade step uh that it's kind of like a dash that mm-hmm. lasts for like you know maybe like two seconds but it can get you <laughs> very far distances at once so like i've been able to you know get around both like in combat and uh, just like getting around with that pretty easily. Um, my in terms of like a nitpicky thing that is always like dating back six years ago been an issue for me. On PS4, the jump button is X, but also the interact button is X. Mm, so like yeah. if you'll be in the, if you're in the middle of a fight, you can like be walking over a body about to jump to try and like avoid an attack, and then you'll start looting a body on the ground instead <laughs> and then or or in fights the, uh there's like a a fade rift uh you'll jump to for you know tactical purposes and then suddenly you'll be trying to close the rift tactical um, jump yeah so uh for me it's something related but not quite the same uh I'm playing on PC. The first time I played this game was on PC as well, but the first time I played this game, I played on PC with a controller, and this time around, I'm on PC with mouse and keyboard. And for some reason, parts of this game, the way you interact with the world, like, mouse clicks just don't feel good. <laughs> like, it it feels like it's kind of a struggle at times to i think the main one is that if you want to interact with something if you click on it uh your inquisitor does not instinctively walk over to it like they would in other dragon age games Mm -hmm. uh you have to actually be standing next to it and then hit the interact and be like within the range of potentially interacting with it which is you know, obviously, if you're doing a controller or something, that makes a lot of sense because you're only going to get the interact thing when you're within the range to do the interact. But if you have a mouse, you can see the thing all the way over on the other side of the room, and you want to interact with it, and you click on it, and your character's kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not moving. <laughs> Whatever. 
uh there's that and also for me actually moving the tactical pause to make room for the jump button because on keyboard and mouse the tactical pause button used to be spacebar so i got in the habit of hitting spacebar at the start Mm -hmm. of every fight so now i just start like hopping like mario at the start of every fight and being like oh right i've got to pause uh it's a different button this time that's that's kind of frustrating other than that i don't know if i have any major technical nitpicks Mm. um it runs really well on pc it looks really good Um, the game is like I mean, it still looks good today like that's kind of the shocking thing is yeah. how good it still looks today like um, on a technical level like the game's probably one of bioware's best in terms of like just fucking holding itself together which i mean mm-hmm. for bioware that's not saying a lot but like i've it's one of the games of theirs that i've never had like a really jarring like technical snafu um Every once in a while, I've got to, you know, kind of Skyrim my way up the side of a mountain or something like that. Yeah. And usually that's just me being stubborn Definitely. and being like, I'm yeah. not going to walk all the way around. I'm going to get up this thing. You know, I kind of wish I had a Mako at times, you know, just <laughs> to really let me live that life and, and climb up the sides the of the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Just upgrade my horse into the Mako. That's that's what <laughs> I got to do. Um, but other than that, you know, it's it is a solid game. Oh, sometimes when I'm like playing a melee character is still kind of weird in this game because every once in a while you will be hitting the attack button and not be locked onto something and so you'll just kind of be standing there hitting the air like your character will just keep attacking even though there's nothing that you're hitting they'll just kind of be like yeah ha ha die nothing <laughs> and uh that's that's kind of annoying but uh overall like yeah it's a it's a solid game like i think my my criticisms of this game tend to come back to the sheer glut of things that it, that are going on at any given time and the way that this game kind of just throws so many quests at you. Mm. Um, I mean, so I just talked about Crestwood and like a whole thing that we're not going to cover here is, well, I guess we are now by virtue of me bringing it up, but um, there's a whole storyline about going to crestwood which is the city that was attacked during the blight uh in ferelden and you learn about this whole story because there's a rift at the bottom of the lake and undead keep coming up from it and attacking the the nearby villagers and all that so you have to go on this whole quest to you know you gotta regain control of the keep and then open the door in the keep to get to the dam and open the or yeah open the dam so that the the lake level lowers and then you can go down to the flooded caves and take out the rift and that's when you learn that the mayor flooded the town because that was the only way he was going to stop the dark spawn from killing everybody or something but he ended up murdering a ton of people who were living there at the time and those are all the undead that have been coming up and then you eventually get to judge him and you get to like rule in judgment of this character it's this whole long quest chain that happens and like there's not any grand cutscene or anything but there's like character specific dialogue you know your companions comment on things and there's like letters that you read and lore and all that and it's just kind of tucked off to the side and not only is it kind of tucked off to the side in an area that is not plot critical for you to get through i mean you have to go there to do one of the missions in this game uh I think you have to go there to do Here Lies the Abyss, yeah. but it is not necessary to do that mission to fin- 
not here lies the abyss obviously but the crestwood like dam rift under the lake stuff uh you don't have to do that to finish the game and also like it puts so many other icons on the map at the same time in the same area that just it's the same problem i had with mass effect 3 i think where mass effect 3 would have these missions that were like cerberus base and you didn't know whether it was this multiplayer mission that was just going to be farming for resources and killing waves of enemies or whether it was going to be an actual story-based thing that had characters that you care about that determined whether they lived or died Mm. uh that's that's kind of like my largest frustration with this game is that the glut of it runs up against its narrative ambitions but that's not technical. That's just me being nitpicky. <laughs> um, that'll do it for Dorian. We got through that quick. I mean, I didn't. I, I said my bit. I like Dorian a lot. Dorian's a great character. I want to see more of Dorian in a theoretical Dragon Age Four. Please. Perhaps uh, he is, and if they were ever to somehow, in some scenario, be a ranking of Dragon Age characters, he might be at the top. Who knows? Yeah, if I wonder if to... there's a point where somebody might be able to see such a ranking take place. Oh, should we should we pull that up? Actually, I need to open my third email account just to see that email. I mean, it's exactly. coming up soon. I mean, so it's worth maybe mentioning every episode. You're right. You're right. You know, you're not wrong. You are right. Um, folks at home, we do have another wonderful panel coming up for PAX on sunday september 13th i was right i was gonna guess the date i could not remember the date but i was right about the date on sunday september 13th at 6 15 p.m pacific time on pax 2 we will be ranking the dragon age companions uh it will be ken and myself alive along with three wonderful friends uh natalie flores uh over at fanbyte ash parish a new friend from Kotaku, who will be joining us hopefully later in the season. We're hoping on that. And uh, someone who is joining us next week. This is a great oh, segue, Ken. Segue. Uh, Josh Silverman will also be on that panel, and he'll be on here next week as we talk about Sarah. And also, I have to decide who I'm romancing by next yep, week. <laughs> you, you've run out of time. you got to figure it out now. I know I've got to make my decision because we've got Sarah and then Solus right after that. So we've <laughs> got to make our decisions now. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm just going to like pull an 11th hour change up, you know, just, I'm, I'm romancing Varric now. <laughs> you hacked into the game and made that possible. Yes. Look, they, there were, I think there were fine reasons for why you couldn't do it as Hawk. You know, that that's a conflict of interest. We understand that, but, uh, come on come on he's right there come on should have at least uh, made him like a dwarf specific romance come on oh he's always gonna love bianca the most but you know let us be second in his life <laughs> oh for all the first in our life for all the listeners out there we will see you next week on normandy FM. <laughs> We have watched and waited.